Welcome to Hope Church. My name is Ross. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so excited for those of you joining online too. Uh, the rest of us in the room, it's negative nine degrees outside. Feels like negative 100 degrees, you know? Um, but I'm excited that you're here in person too and so glad you joined us online. Uh, just this morning, a little bit after eight o'clock, we sent a team of people to Panama. Uh, they're going to go get on a flight. They can't drive that far. But they're driving right now, listening to the service in a van, going straight to O'Hare. So, hey, Panama friends, we love you. We're going to say a quick prayer for them as they go. And let's go ahead and do that now. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this team going to serve you in Panama uh, to our partnered church in Chicago. God, I pray that you would equip them and guide them. God, give them strength and boldness. Um, and I just pray for each and every one of them to be uh God, encouraged by you deeply that, that you set them on this path to serve and to love your people. So I pray that many would turn to you uh, as they go. Um, for your glory, uh, for your namesake, Jesus, amen. I'll be praying for them this week. They'll be gone uh, most of the week, and they'll be back, and we'll make sure to report back what all God did there. Uh, but this morning, we get to dive in and continue our series called Hope for Dubuque. And as you, we started last week, as you probably know, we're focused on our mission at Hope Church and, and just how God's placed on us a missional focus in a few specific ways rooted in his word. And for the last many years, as you probably know, our church has been known and still is known for helping people connect with God. And, and missionally, we do this through three uh, specific things, connect, grow, serve. And last week, we focused on uh, what it meant to connect with God in Christ. And, and today, we're going to focus on growing with others in Christ. Um, but as we continue, the, the reality is that this series and this mission we have as a church, it, it really is our hope for Dubuque in the tri-state area, that every person would um, experience the loving grace of Jesus, accept him, surrender to him as Lord and Savior, connect with God through Christ, uh, grow with others in Christ, and serve on mission uh, for the glory of God, reach others for Christ. And so as we grow and as we uh, kind of understand our mission as a church, it really is the hope we have for every person in our community and beyond, and even so much so in different parts of the world like Panama and where God sends us missionally. And so it's very um, key to walk through it as a church, and I'm excited to continue, like I said this morning, and grow. And so you maybe heard of it, uh, grow with others in Christ is what we're focused in on, what we feel like missionally God has set us on a path to continue here at Hope Church. And this morning what I want to show you is how a growing with others is our natural response to a relationship with Jesus. A growing with others is a natural response to our relationship with Jesus. And we see this beautiful image in Acts 2. We're going to start there this morning. And our key passage, Acts 2, 42, the beginning of the church. And so let's read it together. Then we'll, we'll pray before we dive any further. Acts 2, 42 says this. It's on the screen. Open your Bible. I'd love for you to read it. Uh, just a, a quick disclaimer. These are God's words, and so the reason I'm so pressing for you to read them is because it's important for you to read his words too. Not just hear them from me or think I made them up. They're in the Bible. They're his words given to us to read uh, and, and equip us to train us in righteousness, as, as the scripture says. So uh, read it along with me, uh, not out loud, but just you know, visually as we walk through, okay? So Acts 2.42 says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now let's pray just to open our time and continuing. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that this morning we're able to safely meet in person. And God, that we have technology through online that we get together as a body of believers. And today, as we focus, God, on your church and how it began and the birth of your church, God, I pray that you would bless us, that you would lead us and guide us, and that your Holy Spirit would um, shape us and remind us, uh, make us more like you, Christ. I pray that any decisions that need to be made in obedience to you, we would, any steps to take that we would in you. Uh, God, for we just love you and praise you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've ever been in a room when a baby is born, and I know uh, moms in the room, you're like, please don't make me relive this moment. Maybe some of you. But if you've been in the room when a baby is born, what's really unique is, one, it's just this miracle that God has created and, and that is happening before you. But it's a little chaotic depending on the situation you're in. You know, if you're in a hospital or elsewhere, there's a lot of people involved to take care of this child as it's being born. But there's something really unique that right when the baby is born, everyone in the room is waiting on something very specific and waiting on the same thing. What could it be? Well, it's actually the baby crying. Everyone's waiting for a crying baby. And you think, why would they be waiting for that? You know, later in life, crying maybe seems to be some sort of harm or something's wrong. But when a baby is born, there's something really important for when it cries, it shows signs of life. That we want a baby at birth to cry to show that it has signs of life, that it is living and active and moving. We praise God for that. And uniquely enough, in their passage this morning, we find in the book of Acts, the birth of the church. And we see these vital signs and which shows that it is alive and active in Christ. And that we get to walk through this morning in our passage. Uh, what does the life look like? What do those vital signs feel like or are seen in an active community together? But before we get there, we need to build some context. So if you go with me there, we're going to go a little bit before to Acts 2.36. Uh, because Peter had given this sermon before then we meet ourselves in our main passage today in Acts 2.36. He'd given this really important sermon with a lot of other words that God had given him to deliver. And specifically in this section, what we're going to see is, is part of the summary and this powerful invitation that Peter leaves them with. Okay, So in Acts 2.36, Peter is speaking to the people of Israel, specifically to Jews too, and calling them to repentance in Jesus. Here's what he says in verse 36, Acts 2. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other disciples, or the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so Peter, in boldness and courage, uh, presents this, this, this gospel message, this good news of Jesus to those in Israel and those who were Jews at the time, saying, you need to repent, turn, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Uh, how bold of Peter. 
Leading up to this moment in the birth of the body of Christ, what we know today, Peter was calling them to surrender, to surrender to the Lord Jesus, which he had all authority on heaven and earth, Scripture tells us. He is the Lord Jesus that has come. He is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, being the one who was promised to come in prophecy before and also in prophecy to yet to fulfill in him, that he is the one who has come, who has come for us the promised Savior, that they should be positionally believing and repenting and and, and faithfully surrendering to to Christ. And and just like the people here in Israel, uh, we see now people who are cut to the heart. The passage is saying when, when, when Peter makes this proclamation, the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And I think being cut to the heart is something we know, but may not say it like that very often. Uh, naturally in life, we can find moments where we're really cut deeply to the heart. We experience this emotional anguish of the reality in which we set in. Uh, and it can be in times of maybe financial burden. Something happens financially in your home or uh, you lose a job or something like that. And you begin to emotionally anguish, cut to the heart for the reality that you set in. Uh, maybe it's a time of a loss of a loved one where you lose someone you love so dearly and it cuts you to the heart. You have emotional anguish and hurt and pain. And it could be many other different things, but specifically here, in context, Peter is preaching Jesus, Christ crucified on their behalf because of their sin, offering them a way to believe and repent for forgiveness, and it says it cut them to the heart. They were in anguish, recognizing their fault before God, their rebellion before him, their deep sin against a holy and righteous Lord and Messiah, but yet in which he chose to die for them. And they were cut to the heart so deeply that they had a decision to make. And that's what's unique about being cut to the heart in our everyday, even in our times today and different things. But when it comes to uh, the gospel of Jesus cutting us to the heart, it demands a response. Jesus demands a response in our lives. And uniquely enough, we all share being cut to the heart about the truth of the gospel. Us being sinners in need of saving and Jesus coming to be that saving salvation for us. Cut to the heart, the scriptures say, and it requires an action. And so uniquely enough, knowing that, their response is this, well, what shall we do? What actionable step can we take, Peter, right? And uniquely enough, for Christ, it's either yes or no. Oftentimes, we want to convince ourselves that maybes are somewhat yeses, but really they're factually no's or not for nows. It's explicitly yes or no for now, no forever for some. And so Peter's calling them to this belief and repentance, the same in which many of us have accepted and surrendered in Christ. And yet now here we see in this passage that they do that. They, 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 they accept that later on, just a few verses after, it's just, uh, about 3,000 were added. 3,000 had believed and confessed surrendered, were baptized, and then we're given this gift of the Holy Spirit and how uniquely powerful that is then to shape the the place we're at this morning, our main passage this morning. And so I want to walk you through four specific vital signs of life in the body of Christ and what we see in this specific account, how God had, had first blessed and forgave so many who confessed and believed were baptized and had given them the Holy Spirit, and then how they then naturally reacted to that reality and what we see in our passage. 
And so number one, if you're taking notes with us, is this full devotion. So clearly in our main passage, right after Acts uh, 39 and beyond in Acts 42, we see this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. See, their natural response to that relationship with Jesus was devotion to four specific things. One being this, God's word. They were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. And, and we know at this contextual time, the apostles were teaching none other than the word of God, than, than what God had to say, what God was saying to them, what God was leading them in obedience for. They were fully devoted to God's word. They were rooted in the words of, of Jesus that had come, of the Lord before, of, of the Old Testament scriptures, all of it. They were rooted in his word and fully devoted in it. The second thing it states here is fellowship, that they uniquely, as verse 44 says, all believers were together and had everything in common. They had this natural flowing fellowship with one another. And we, we know fellowship uh, pretty regularly, if you think about it, because that, that general fellowship we carry in different areas of our life, like food, for instance, I know out there we have like spicy food people, you know, we can call you spicy people, you know. And you share that fellowship with other people who like spicy food and you enjoy that. And so you go and challenge each other to eat the spiciest chip or something. And that's just enjoyment to you somehow. And, and kudos to you. That's great, right? You have fellowship around this spiciness of food. Uh, maybe it's like a sports team or something like that. And I had to forgive myself because the first service I said, you know, the fellowship of watching the Bears lose. And I shouldn't say that so publicly all the time. So I'm sorry for saying it even right now. Or am I? No. But we have that fellowship around sports teams and, and desiring for teams to win or watching them lose and still uh, camaraderie and having fun together, right? We have fellowship over many different things. But specifically here, there's a fellowship in which we see, which is cut to the heart and is actually deeply cha like, like changing in us, like, like that changes us from the inside out. This fellowship that we have is deeper than any of those things we can experience uh, in sports or food. But, but like the people of Israel then and us now, we, uh, Christ has been broken for us to have life in him. And so this fellowship in which they were experiencing was rooted in Jesus, was rooted in the common reality, this common surrender under Christ. So this fellowship was much deeper and wider and full of him. And that's what they had everything in common for. Centered, rooted, specifically focused on Jesus. And this fellowship's tied to our Christian fellowship with God. And in 1 John 1, 3, we see this proclamation. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so if we've connected with God, we now have fellowship with God. We, we actually can can have unity with him and we've been reborn in him. We're, we're being led by him. He is at our head. And yet in this specific moment, those who are baptized and believe, they have this Christian fellowship with God and with each other. And that fellowship's vibrant. We see throughout scripture, which we can't get too far into um, this morning, but these, these passages helping us in our vibrant fellowship elsewhere, they're called the one another's of scripture. And when we see uh, even Jesus in John 13, 34, his word saying, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. 
or, or in Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another and in, in love, honor one another above yourselves. Or Ephesians 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Or James 5, 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. See, fellowship under Christ uniquely equips us to do life together, to have a meaning, vibrant meaning and relationship with one another because we're under him. Unanimously together as we've surrendered and unity under him. And yet we ask ourselves the question, how are we doing in true, faithful Christian fellowship in our church, in our body, in the body? Are we holding hatred or anger? Are we bitter or upset? Are we actually lacking forgiveness, holding on and harboring to what's or who's wronged us? See, often we might sit in this room and see someone a few rows ahead or a few rows behind and would hate to be caught talking or engaging with them because of what they've done or who they are or who we perceive them to be. But yet if they are a believer in Christ as you, we're called to greater fellowship in him, under him. And that's where we see the beauty of the church flourish in the beginning to be. Further, you know, and, and a few others under fellowship, breaking of bread, communion, sharing of meals, and remembering Christ's sacrifice. And finally in prayer, they were devoted in prayer, seeking after God's heart in prayer, as God has invited them to communicate with him, to trust in him, to seek him. So they're not only fully devoted, which is this natural response and their relationship to Jesus, but they were also, point number two, radically generous, radical generosity. Acts 2, 44 says this, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And so now we see this, this, this tangible, not only in fellowship together, but another tangible way and giving and generosity in which the church at the very beginning naturally had outside of their relationship with him. Radical generosity. They actually went so far to sell their property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. You see, what we see here is the church to be and the church that is now are recognizing a new purpose for the very things they have. And what they're doing is they're recognizing new purpose under Christ as they surrendered and confessed and believed. Uh, they recognize this new purpose under Christ to actually use their things, their money, their, their treasures on earth to use them on purpose for God. And so we, we think of, uh, we have a new purpose under Christ to use our things on purpose for him, to bring him honor and glory, to give him all the authority and power over things in our life. And yet oftentimes we can wrestle deeply with how we're moved to give or how much we're moved to give. God, are you sure you're asking me to give financially like this or even my time like this? Are you sure, God, I'm, I'm supposed to serve you like this? And those can be wisdom-seeking things to really discern what God's asking of you. But certainly sometimes we ask them in the back end to where we feel this conviction of God to give or God to serve. And yet we step back and say, God, are you sure though you, you really want me to do that? Like, are you, but, but really God, okay, I hear you asking me, I hear you leading me, but are you sure you want me to? They say, of course, he is sure. He's a generous God, which has given generous to you. And 
Many of you in this room, I look around and I see you and how generous you are, how radically generous you already are and, and the ways you've given in your time, talent, and treasure. And I praise God for you. Thank you. Like you, you've, you've, you've continued the, the, the reflection of what it means to be rooted in him, fully devoted to him by the way you're just generously giving. And man, I look at this room and I'm so filled with, with excitement and hope for the future for, I see a bunch of generous people who have already been generous. And some of you who are continuing to be, I thank you, but not only for the church, then the church now has built, created, sustained by God to be generous radically for his sake, for his glory, using our things on purpose for him. Third thing is this, not only fully devoted, radically generous, but constantly together. In Acts 2, 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who are being saved. And now we get to the section where we see this frequency, this vibrant frequency. So we see they're devoted to the teaching of God's word, to, to, to each other, uh, to, to prayer, to communing together, communion and remembering Christ. Uh, they're, they're radically generous. But now we're seeing a picture of how consistently they were showing up for one another. And what does the scripture say? Every day they were together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and were together just with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying favor with all the people. We see this daily frequency in which they are engaged in each other's lives, seeking after God together, unanimously praising God with one another, with these glad and sincere hearts that have been changed by him, have been radically changed by him. And in this constant togetherness, we see then, number four, daily evangelism. That at the last section here, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, was out of the outpour of their natural living daily together and consistently pursuing him daily with one another. That in their relationships unanimously together under Christ, they had nowhere else to turn, but when they did, it was sharing Jesus and him crucified. You must experience this new life I found in Jesus. You've got to be a part of this community, which I found uh, helps me grow in the faith. You, you've got to be devoted with me because it's been changing from the inside out. And even my actions are changing. I'm, I'm giving more than I ever have. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm devoted more than I've ever been to God. And, and, and it's really powerful. See, they've displayed this attractive faith in which attracts others, both naturally, but also explicitly in their message. What we found in the early church is the fellowship and growth between believers with one another that was a natural response in their new life found in Christ. God had, had created the, this, this plan to build a church, a body of believers, to fellowship with one another so they may grow more efficiently together under him. That by le the leading and guiding of his spirit, both encouraging one another, loving one another, that, that, that in our, on our flesh we may fail, but by his spirit in each other we may prevail. That we may find deep courage and conviction to continue on. You know, I'm in the middle of um, this, this bathroom project at my house, okay? I do a lot of projects. Some of them I love starting, really hard to finish, okay? 
but I'm in the middle of this bathroom project. You know what encourages me the most? Well, two things in this, right? One is when I invite someone who knows more than me to come help. It encourages me that they do a lot more than I could do, right? But you know what deeply encourages me too? Is that I get a lot done with them because we're together. You see, naturally in our everyday, we're, to, we're, we're most likely together with someone. Work, home, elsewhere. And just being together and working on something in, in, in unity together builds this vibrant relationship that deeply encourages you. And so much so for greater purpose, under greater authority, under greater uh, centeredness in Jesus, he's ordained and created the church, his body of believers, me and you, to have different gifts, to have different abilities, but to ultimately together in fellowship, encourage, love, care, equip, and point each other to who? Jesus. To show each other more of Jesus. To, to do our best to follow Jesus. Because if we were on our own, it would be hard in a world like today. If we were still individuals cast out in hopes like the Spirit of God would guide and equip us, but most definitely more than not, he would bring others to join us, to encourage us, to help. And so as a church, when we look at our direction and, and this next piece of our mission and grow and growing with others in Christ, we want to be obediently, effectively pointed and saying we believe God's leading us on a mission to create a, a place not only on Sunday morning, but throughout the week where you can grow with others too. That you can experience pieces of what the early church did in our own cultural context and, and, and what God is leading in, in us today. The continual same message of him and him crucified, Jesus crucified. But yet, all of us in Christ growing with one another. And, and the unique part about growing with each other in Christ is that Jesus has made it possible. That we have this common unit, with this common reality, this common surrender under him, which makes possible our fellowship and growth in him. That this common fellowship between one another, this common relationship in Jesus, that he could use for even more of his glory, that he could use to reach even more in his name. For that's how he wishes to use this church, to see it grow, to grow it himself. See, in Christ, we can grow together and be a church that is characterized by being devoted to his word, devoted to fellowship among one another, healthy fellowship that is loving and kind and humble, not self-seeking, patient. An example, being radically generous with our things, with the money and the, and the possessions that, that we have, that we recognize a new purpose in which we use them for, to use them on purpose for God. That we be a church meeting together consistently, constantly, United, And you know, the interesting part about our, our context and our culture is that we have even an easier way to be constantly connected. And you know it. Phones have gone from a landline to a pocket, and we're able to be in each other's lives, in each other's spaces. We're able to reach out and connect at any given moment. With that desire then, growing in, as an attractive body by an attractive faith, 
which invites others, which invites others to know Jesus, surrender to him. Because growing in Christ together is a decision that we must make individually to jump in, to land in, to be a part of his body. And locally here, we're a part uh, of, of the body of Christ here at Hope Church, but a collective part of across the world, churches that meet and gather. Even the church in Chica Panama, which we partner with, our meeting this morning, uh, they, in commonality to us, have surrendered their lives to Jesus and, and grow in meeting together. And they're part of this body of Christ, which is worldwide. But yet for us, taking advantage of organized opportunities in which God is leading our church to be a part of. And a few, few specific ways can help us grow together intentionally. And so I want to share with you just two of those things, uh, and then we're going to close our time together. So as we positionally, missionally take foot, take step, two specific ways we feel God leading us to create this growing community together. One is this. You've heard of it before, but it's in life groups. See, life groups help us grow in Christ with one another uh, in very specific ways. One, it takes from that large group, which we saw in, in Acts, they were together at the temple course, they were together in the larger group, and then they went to homes and broke bread and, and, and continued in community together. Well, life groups is a piece of that, to where we go from rows to circles, and you grow to be known by other people too. They grow to know you and maybe even know your needs in ways they can meet them. They know um, how they can care for you, love on you, pray for you. But not only that, there are actually places in which we devote our time to God's word and to walking through God's word to both edify and help one another grow in Christ, but also grow in accountability to be obedient to God's word. And so that means when you're in a life group, you walk through God's word, you, 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 you talk through God's word, you find the root of, of the truth in God's word, and then you actually become accountable to holding God's word and, and doing it obediently following his command, following his way, following um, what he asks of you. And out of that spurs on growth in your Christian walk, in your faith walk. Uh, the second thing is this, we call other pathways of discipleship that help us grow. So life groups meet on a consistent schedule, uh, a weekly throughout the year. Um, and maybe some breaks off around Christmas or something like that around a winter season. But throughout the year, life groups committed to meet. Uh, but then there's these other pathways in which God has called us to create. Uh, an example could be something called Equipping Moms. Um, it's this amazing uh, um, a group led by Deanna Redgraff and some other ladies who their focus is to, to try to help equip moms for the work of momming and the serving they're doing in their families, but also to, to be rooted in God's word, to be accountable to uh, obeying Christ, and to grow together in a group. And, and these pathways, um, although a little different than, than life groups, uh, they meet consistently on schedules that, that really help you engage if you're a mom, grow in that way. We have other opportunities too, like with our men. Uh, there's a few groups that meet just men's, men meeting Thursday mornings or Saturday mornings and just digging in God's word, meeting together, growing with one another, that we prioritize to help you grow to help you connect with God and grow with each other. And so as I close, you know, and, and both of those things, there then causes a so what for you. And both of those opportunities, what would you make of it? And we're missionally on this path of helping you connect with God and grow with others. What step do you need to take to be a part of a life group? Or maybe even for you to lead one 
You've been a part of one for a bit, and now you need to step into leadership. Or maybe to be a part of another group that meets uh, seasonally, like Equipping Moms or a men's ministry or our men's group or something like that. What group do you need to be a part of and take a step in today or this week? This is a perfect opportunity at the end of our service today. I'm going to be highlighting we're starting uh, just, just jumping back into life groups in the new year. And so it's a great, perfect time to jump into one. What's keeping you back? What's, what's, what's not you know holding you back from moving forward, from jumping in? Fear? Uncertainty? Still have some questions about who's in that group? What's keeping you back? Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more until you see the day approaching. And my prayer, not only in life groups, but in other pathways of discipleship that you can take part in, to grow with one another, to see this vibrant growth with one another in Christ solely rooted in him, solely surrendered to him. My hope is that we may spur one another on in love and good works, that we may be a church that is committed to each other, helping each other, encouraging one another, not giving up meeting together, all the more until Christ returns for his glory, for his power, for his authority, for, for him and nothing else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, God. I thank you for the mission you've set us on as Hope Church, um, not only in connecting with you, God, but also growing with others in Christ, growing with others in you. So God, I ask that you would bless us and bless our church, God. We want to be a church that is that is uh, transformed by your grace, God, that is transformed by your mercy and your goodness. So God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, as those who have confessed and believed have received your Holy Spirit, God, I, I pray and ask that by that power in us and you, that we would be led to take a step with you. That maybe it's to join a group, maybe it's to uh, lead a group, maybe it's just to continue to get back into that group we took some time away from, whatever it might be. Maybe it's joining a, a new group kind of starting up here um, uh, that meets seasonally, another pathway, God, to, to connect with others in you. But God, I pray that you would make it so explicitly clear what our step would be and that we would take it. So God, thank you for your church. Thank you for um, seeing it through, sustaining your church time and time again, year after year, and building it for your glory. God, would you equip us to, to love and care for each other really well? God, we love you and thank you for the opportunity to grow in you together, God. In Jesus' name, amen.